Hi, welcome to Cynthia Talks Life, Delectably Chic or Otherwise. I'm your host, Cynthia Chang Mintz. I hope everyone had a great Halloween. We didn't take our little guy out trick-or-treating this year thanks to the pandemic. It's too bad because I really wanted to. We did sort of give him a costume though. Anyway, we've reached the end of our first season. And while I don't think I've, so far anyway, had any kind of reaction I really wanted, I'd still call it a success. I've addressed many of the topics I wanted to talk about, especially centering around diversity and inclusion, as well as being a child of immigrants, being a mom, and so forth. It's given me that outlet, the outlet to talk, by audio anyway, about topics I I feel aren't properly addressed. Sure, I've written about them before, a zillion times in fact, but it's just that different outlet. Even though going into this, I knew people might not care. In fact, going on video would probably have garnered me more traction, but it's just so much easier for me to do it on through audio or in writing. I don't have to do it like uh, five million different takes, right? I think out of the 10 episodes, or 11 including the Canada Day special I've done so far, my favorite was indeed the, most, the more recent cooking episode. This episode allowed me to talk about my cooking as well as the kinds of foods I experienced at home while I was growing up. I'm sure many of those who listened found it surprising that neither my family nor my, my own cooking was as immigrant as they likely would have expected. And this is even after hearing the premiere episode of my not-so-typical, at least according to the woke and DEI leadership types, experience I had growing up as, an, as a child of immigrants. I'm still disappointed that we're considered invisible, likely due to our privilege or fluidity between traditional heritage, and I say this in quotes, and so-called, quotes again, mainstream culture something which many of these groups don't want to know we have, considering how often they talk about code switching. They just want all of us to feel like victims because we're so-called oppressed or marginalized. Whatever. I suppose as a free country, they're entitled to believe this, even though it can be seen as discrimination, at least to me. They just don't want to see it that way, you know what I mean? And they always talk about microaggressions as well. Whatever. This reminds me of an article I read in The Economist a while back. It was called The Threat from the Illiberal Left, link in the show notes, and discussed the dangers of some leftist groups. Just, uh, Just a note, though, this article is behind a paywall, so you will need to subscribe to read it. Anyway. The author differentiates classical liberals, in quotation marks, which I suppose I'm one of, from the current radical left. Classical liberals believe that progress is spontaneous and from the bottom, relying on a hierarchy, which they describe as the separation of powers, in quotation marks, because it's from the article, while the radicals believe that it comes from them, like the people but only after these hierarchies which cause various types of discrimination disappear. In other words, they want the classical liberals, whom they believe is too elite and privileged, canceled. Classical liberals like me believe in the freedom of expression, but these guys, well, they're kind of illogical and are always trying to get rid of people as soon as they say something or do something they don't believe in. 
The author says the illiberal left believes that this kind of freedom needs to be tilted against those who are privileged and restricting what we can and can't say. So yeah, canceling us. They think that way will give those who are less privileged more justice and therefore helping them. But you know what they're doing? Oppressing, or should I actually call it condescending people, classifying people as victims when they themselves might not believe they really are. And in fact, they're preaching something they're completely against. These groups often talk about quote-unquote white saviors and how that is the epitome of white privilege and oppression, saving natives from their quote-unquote immoral culture, and natives was also in quotation marks. Well, you're kind of doing that, people. And when, even like when many of the part who are part of the liberal left aren't white at all. Anyway, there's a reason why Vivek Ramaswamy wrote Woke Inc. Even he cites an example at Google where a guy was fired because he questioned something about the lack of women in the company. However, it was what he said that got him into trouble. In a memo, the guy acknowledged what was true, that there are a lack of women in tech and that women face discrimination, especially in tech. He went on to talk about psychological differences, basically conditioning and so forth, and discussed that companies when promoting diversity need to listen to all sides. This was a 10-page memo, first sent to seminar organizers, but later posted on an internal message board. The higher-ups there didn't like it, even after co-workers defended him for his right to voice his opinion, so he was canned. But that's pretty much all I'm gonna say on that kind of topic. I don't wanna be canceled by the ultra-left crowd after all. I'm probably already too elite, according to them, because I admit that I read The Economist. The crowd certainly has their stereotypes, don't they? Anyway, I've had a good time talking about food, both episodes, in fact. Cooking is more of my favorite because it's what I'm doing currently. I know I really have to spiff up my creativity. To be honest, I used to do a lot more. Prior to the pandemic, my home-cooked meals included baked eggs, basically crustless quiche, as well as steamed veggie noodles I, that I didn't buy prepackaged. I have a spiralizer and really should be using it more often. At one point, I was making keto bread using almond flour. It's similar to the soda bread I make now make weekly, just using almond flour instead of mixed multigrain. The recipe also calls for yogurt rather than kefir. Honestly, it doesn't really matter what one uses. Either would work. And the 80s restaurant episode really got me, did get me nostalgic. And for some reason, I didn't, re didn't include one of the places we went, my family and I went to all the time. In on the park. It was an uptown hotel that I recently discovered was under the Four Seasons umbrella. So in the 80s, Toronto had one downtown hotel and then in on the park in the suburbs. From a 2021 perspective, the food wasn't amazing. Not at all. But it wasn't bad either. Their kids' menu was pretty standard. Burgers, hot dogs, chicken fingers, pasta, either mac and cheese or tomato sauce, and grilled cheese. Come to think of it, why is it always the same thing, regardless of restaurant? Why hasn't it changed as one bit since I was little? Except maybe more plant-based choices in some places. Speaking of junior mints and kids, I thought I'd give him you an update on him. He's quite enjoying preschool, and yes, his vocabulary is much larger now than it was when he was 
when I was when I was discussing him, his especially delayed in that episode. He still seems to be speaking both Cantonese and English at the same time, which I'm fine with at home. However, I worry that his teachers and most of his peers aren't going to understand him. He did, at one point earlier, make up words if he doesn't know including other kids' names. He's also catching up in other areas, especially in his confidence level. He's a bit smaller than most of the other kids, both due to his later birthday and genetics. Until recently, he was always looking at adults after doing something as if he wanted our approval. He's doing it much, much less now, and that's really good news. I'm hoping that he won't even have to by the end of the school year. So what will we be talking about next season? Well, there'll definitely be more food-related episodes. Maybe my experiences with food, school food, more about, more about cultural-related issues, and maybe with someone bullying. My addiction to fitness, something I briefly discussed on an IGTV video earlier this year, and more. Meanwhile, there'll be a short break until next year when it comes to regular episodes, but look for a holiday drop sometime in December. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Cynthia Talks Life, Delectably Chic or Otherwise. Our opening theme is called Progress is an Inevitable by Black Rome, and our closing music is called Landing Place by Mark July. Both are courtesy of Shutterstock. Stay tuned for more coming soon to wherever you listen to podcasts. If you would like to contact me, please email me at talkslife at cynthiacmintz.com. Questions, suggestions, and tips are always welcome. Hey, I may even answer some of your questions on air. You can also find me on social at for Instagram at Cynthia C. Mintz and Twitter on, at Cynthia CM79. You want to read my blog? I'm at www.cynthiacmintz.com. You can find all this information in the show notes. And if you would like to be featured on this show, I'm open to interviews, so please let, let me know. See you next time. <laughs>